0: Hello, you're listening to the National Trust Podcast. I'm Michelle Douglas, an assistant podcast producer. In response to our rapidly changing lives as we all adapt to the coronavirus outbreak, we're bringing you something a bit different to our usual schedule. Our next few episodes tell their intriguing, inspiring and soothing stories of people connecting with nature under surprising and extreme circumstances. First up is journalist Alice Vincent and a love story set in a London high-rise. My name is Alice Vincent. I'm
1: a writer. I write about gardening for The Telegraph, Gardens Illustrated, and through an Instagram account called Nauticulture. I wouldn't ever think of myself as your kind of classic, formally trained gardening professional. It does sit at odds with the rest of my life. I grew up in the countryside. We did go on a lot of walks, and my father would point out the call of birdsong to me, different plants and different bushes. My mother always kept a herb garden outside the back door. She would send me out to go and harvest whatever it was she needed for the meal. We could have free reign over the fields As an adolescent, Those fields that I was surrounded by weren't freedom. They were strangely claustrophobic. It was so deeply removed from where I wanted to be. I liked video games and books. And in fact, I went outside so infrequently that I remember my mum distinctly threatening to move us all to a flat in the city without a garden if I didn't go outside and play in it. I wanted to be a music journalist. I wanted the bright lights and I wanted to go to gigs in sweaty bars and I wanted to be part of that whole world. I got out pretty much as quickly as I could, went to university and I chose Newcastle. Even though Newcastle is quite a small city, I had all of that late-night dazzle that I had been hungry for. After three very happy years at Newcastle, I moved to New York. And then in the very end of 2010, I came to London. And before too long, I managed to land a, a job as a music writer on a broadsheet newspaper. I was gradually becoming the kind of the person I thought that I'd wanted to be as a teenager. I lived in a big, fun, shared house. We'd throw these ludicrous parties and dance until dawn. As a journalist, there are lots of opportunities to go to fun events. We'd see all number of kind of bands. I'd be able to stand on the side of the stage at Green and, and watch thousands of people screaming back at the stage while the band played. In hindsight, it was quite an eventful summer. I also met the, the man who I was going to spend the rest of my life with. We ended up buying a flat together. It was so exciting and it felt grown up. We were young to be doing this. The flat, it had this amazing view over London. The minute you walked in and walked into the living room, you would just see the whole of the London skyline. We managed to make this little cocoon for ourselves. For a long time, we kind of sat on the floor and ate at an upturned crate by the window. But... We were just so overjoyed to have a space that was our own. The funny thing is, is that when we were looking for somewhere to live, outside space wasn't even a necessity. But this flat had a balcony when we first had a look. I don't even know if I went out there or not. That's how little I even thought about the need for outdoor space. There's a tiny, dinky little balcony. It had this these funny little doors going into it on either side. It was probably about four metres long and barely one wide. A lot of people would just see it as like, oh, cool, a little bit of outside space, somewhere to maybe put, like, the stuff they don't want to put in their house. We'd lived there a couple of months. It had turned from February into spring, and I think we were anticipating having a few people around for a housewarming, and I wanted the balcony to look a bit nice. I got some thyme, some mint and some sage and I potted them up in these tomato tins and those are the first things I put on the balcony. To me, it wasn't even a gardening thing so much as a nice thing to do if you have a grown-up home is to have herbs that are fresh that you can pick and put in your food. So that just seemed like a logical part of this completely grown-up life that we seem to have fallen into. From the kitchen window sill, you could look out onto the balcony and I could see them through the window. I liked the sense of things ticking along out there. I liked the sense of things growing. I think I was largely in denial while they were dying. Like, I knew so little about plants that they really had to grow quite brown and sticky and be in a very resolute point of death, which takes quite a long time to achieve. And when they did eventually die, I wasn't as disheartened as one might think it, it was more that it was a kind of challenge for me to overcome I just thought okay well that didn't work I'll, I'll have another go and I'll try something else it was almost like a puzzle that I had to unpick and that was enough for me to think okay well we'll keep going with this. Over the next couple of years it's almost like my knowledge accumulated by stealth I didn't say for instance listen to Gardner's Question Time or Gardner's World I didn't feel like they were aimed at me because I didn't have a garden, I didn't have much cash or room or time. I would read books, Google things, collect what knowledge I could from relatively limited sources. And so it almost happened as if by accident. You know, one year I would sow sweet peas that I'd pick up from the pound shop and they wouldn't bloom. But the next year I would know enough to, to improve upon them. It wouldn't always be perfect. I would pile a, lo- a lot of pots, and they were often plastic pots or tin pots, like sometimes old tins from like food and stuff. And they would all be kind of teetering on these wooden crates that I'd pick up from the grocers. I would overwater things chronically to the extent that mushrooms would start appearing in the compost. Often a lot of the edible stuff I would grow would bolt because I wasn't watering it enough and it would go to flour. And I think this is a great triumph. And I'd be like, it's growing so tall. And it was only later that I realized that that was actually a a mark of mass struggling rather than anything else. All of it was interesting, even when it went wrong. And I just found learning from it so interesting. But I was kind of addicted to it, just looking at it even. I would just stand with my face against the glass pane in the door of the balcony and I would look at it to the extent that I looked crazy. I just loved the meditation it brought me. As a beginner, I didn't really know any, anything fancier. I knew what I recognised and what I could buy in the supermarket. So my plant choices were quite crude, really. And I'd gone and bought a few things to spruce up the balcony. And, and this bucket of, I think they were Icelandic poppies, these were a novelty on my balcony. And I didn't really know what I was doing with them. And I hadn't really been expecting very much from them. I'd got sort of the basic greenery there, I was growing some edibles, I understood how the seasons worked, I knew when my bulbs would come up, and I knew what I would do in the summer, and I had a level of confidence out there, and that would have been late spring 2016. When the balcony was at its headiest, the whole thing would be in bloom. There would be flowers in the window boxes and then I'd look up onto the other wall and maybe there would be geranium, sweet peas just coming into bloom as well. So there would be a white one and a pink one and, and a purpley one. And the whole thing would just seem to be right on the cusp of something. It would be so full of life and colour and excitement. Everything seemed to be going really well. Like I had my job, I had the flat. The balcony was looking better than it ever had. Everything seemed kind of perfect, but things were unravelling behind the scenes without me really being aware of them. And um, my then-boyfriend, in in quite a shocking way to me, um, announced that he no longer wanted to be part of the relationship. And so it ended very suddenly that summer. I was very, very shocked, totally crushing uncertainty about what would happen to my life. For five years, he had been a constant that just had actively chosen not to be there anymore. It threw an awful lot up in the air, none of which I knew how to place. And another real sadness, which sounds trite, was that I didn't know what would happen to the balcony. It felt very stupid to be worrying about the balcony. Like, the future of my home was uncertain. Like, why was I worrying if the passing was going to bolt or not? Once again. It was so strange. I, I kept going to work, of course. It was the only sense of normalcy I could get. I really didn't want to be in the house. It felt very alone and it didn't feel nice anymore. I remember one day I went to the balcony to have a look out the door as I normally did. I noticed that this poppy had unfolded over the course of the day. Everything else in the balcony seemed so dark. The petals were so perfect. It was white. They looked like freshly laundered linen. And they just were so beautiful. And they hadn't been there that morning, just a few hours before. And it was the first time after, you know, a week or so of feeling utterly despairing that I realized that life would continue. I was sad, and I was heartbroken, but beautiful, tiny things would still happen, regardless. that was really reassuring. I wouldn't say it healed me uh, it was it was instead the very beginning of a journey over the next year. It was just the very, very beginning it wasn't it wasn't a means to an end at any at any point. so in the months that followed i Pretty swiftly, I put plans in place to make the most of what people will call a freedom. I immediately organised to go to a festival tour and it sort of didn't stop after that. I was barely in the house. I remember I would come back from a festival, I'd unpack my clothes, I'd put them through the wash, I'd let them dry and then I'd pack them up again to put them in a rucksack and go off somewhere else that next weekend. While the festivals were fun, it stopped being about the dancing and the music and it became about being outside all the time. The fact that I could spend entire weekends outdoors under nothing but sky and canvas. I was so close to ferns and woodland smells and nature. Although when I was little, I didn't necessarily want to go outside and do outdoorsy things i was still surrounded by it i was so it was a constant backdrop that just because it made me feel claustrophobic doesn't mean that it wasn't there and after a decade spent in cities it had been something that i had been clamoring for and it was something that i needed increasingly loudly which is why when i realized i wasn't satisfied with my job and my relationship fell apart and i had no stability in where i was living i started to lean into it because it It connected me with something deeper, something more essential that I hadn't realized I'd been missing. I think there's many things that help you get through difficult circumstances, along with, say, the support of loved ones and certain routines and other treatments. But I do think that there is a a level of healing and beneficial powers to nature and green space and gardening. After the events that happened, I ended up moving eventually into another space of my own, which was smaller and further out of town, and had a balcony. People often ask me, you know, do you want a proper garden? And I always reply, well, this is my proper garden. Like, right now, I'm really quite content with my tiny little plot in the sky. There is a quiet irony about the fact that it took me to move to a flat without a garden, much like my mum threatens, to engage with nature and gardening in a way that she probably wished I had when I was little. For me, I just love having what I've got. I think it's important for people to find their own way into nature and, and plants and gardening. And I think there's a lot of the trappings and the styling of being outside, which are Deeps in privilege and certain assumptions which we can't apply to all people at all. If you live in a high rise with no outdoor space it doesn't mean that it's shut off to you. I think that you can engage with growing things and the magic of and being involved with nature even if you've only got a windowsill. If plotted up with things that you have grown yourself and that you are engaged with and you find satisfaction with it can bring you a level of understanding and meaning and enthusiasm for plants that can take you, say, into a community garden or take you on a walk outside and help you appreciate the world around you. So if you want to take the first step to gardening, and growing microgreens is a really good way to start, microgreens is a posh word for essentially growing something like crests, which means that you can do it on a sunny windowsill. Take something as simple as plastic trays that your vegetables come in from the supermarket, pierce a few holes in that with your corkscrew or a knife, fill it with soil and grab a packet of seeds. of something that you might like to eat. So that can be anything from radishes to rocket to Asian salad leaves, coriander, anything you like. Scatter those into wet soil and sit them on a sunny windowsill. And within a few weeks, those seeds will germinate and it will be the most exciting thing, I promise. Now we're in lockdown, it might be a little bit harder to get hold of some of these things, but you can definitely still begin to grow, even by keeping, say, your supermarket potted herbs alive. Something I've been doing in lockdown is sticking bunches of mint that you can buy from the supermarket cut into a jar of water which will, over time, allow them to root. And once they've rooted, you can plant them on your window box or on your windowsill or in your garden, and they'll grow as a real plant. The other thing you can do is grow from dried peas, which you can buy at a supermarket as well, so you can grow pea shoots from them. So it needs a little bit of creativity, but there are still lots of things you can grow even in lockdown.
0: Thanks for listening to the National Trust podcast. In the coming weeks, we'll be bringing you more immersive stories about unexpected discoveries under extreme circumstances. Meanwhile, if you've enjoyed this and want to find out more about Alice Vincent's top tips for micro gardening with stuff you've already got at home, go to nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash balcony gardens. And to escape into more of our podcast episodes, go to nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts.